Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty... It's like a bittersweet moment. It's the end of the year. It is. And we're looking not only to a new year, a whole new decade. That's right. The end of 2019. Today is December 29th, 2019. So we're really at the end of the year (laughs) here, right? Uh And like you were saying, it's the end of the decade too. So uh, yeah, a lot to look back on. Uh, I thought that tonight's episode would be primarily a year interview, uh, but we could do a little bit of decade interview as well. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to deep dive into everything, but uh, maybe list a few of our faves of the decade. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, uh, best and maybe a little bit of worst of 2019 thrown in there. But first, it is the end of December 2019, and... For a lot of people, that means what? That means a lot of people have seen Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, right? I saw it, and you saw it as well, yes? Yeah, I saw it twice already. Oh, you've seen it twice? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so we can definitely talk a little bit about it. Um, Yeah, let's give a spoiler alert. Uh, Definitely a spoiler alert for episode 9. We're going to talk a bit about it. And spoiler alert for a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, So um, listeners, beware. We're going to go into some detail, yeah? Okay. Right. So, yeah, let's start with uh, episode 9. I saw it just today for the first time. So uh, I'm a little bit late in the game, but I have finally seen it. And... um, you know, it's pretty fresh in my mind. Like, I just finished it a few hours ago. Uh, so it's fresh in my brain. You've seen it twice, so it's pretty fresh in your brain too, I mm-hmm. presume. Yeah. Right on. Um, so, yeah, th- this will be, be a bit of a, uh, a tangent from our main uh, theme of today, which is the year in review. Um, I-, I think it's just timely, though, to talk about this movie. Uh, there's a lot of anticipation for this movie. It's the end of the third Star Wars trilogy, kind of a big deal, right? Big deals. Yeah, let's see what, what's next. Because the next Star Wars movie doesn't come out until 2022. Oh, is that right? Like, what is that? I didn't even hear that. It's what's gonna be what's that? A whole new trilogy. Oh, so they have announced they're going to start a new trilogy yeah. in 2022? It, it's not going to be like episode 10, 11, 12. But okay. they're going to, yeah, they have like an untitled new trilogy announced for oh, okay. like 2022, 24, and 26. Ah, gotcha. Which, so. yeah, like the Game of Thrones writers were going to be a part of it. Yeah. But I think they dropped that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay, um, interesting. Yep. I did hear about the Benny, Benioff and Weiss thing about how they were going to do it, and then they dropped out. But I didn't hear anything official about the years and all that. So that's that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, it, it's the end of the current trilogy. We're not going to get a new Star Wars movie for at least another couple of years. 
Um, but as we want to yeah. see no more Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I did you already mention the Mandal- Mandalorian? I did not mention it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, I mean, <laughs> Star Wars is like is is happening right now. Right. Episodes nine, episode nine's release and the completion of uh, the Mandalorian season one. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get into Mandalorian okay. a little later for sure. Um, hint, hint, <laughs> right? Your interview, best of, etc. Hint, hint. That's all I got to say right now. But yeah, let's just talk about uh, episode nine a bit right now. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your experience watching this movie for the first time. When did you first see it? I saw it opening night. I saw it with Edgar and Christian. We went to go watch it, and it was. Um, I just remember being like, oh, like, I'm just kind of here, like, watching it because it's, you know, the end of the Star Wars saga. Like, I was just, I had no really real hype. No idea, actually. Because earlier that day, I did watch episode seven and eight. Okay. So I was legit getting, like, in the mindset. Okay. So you were, you got yourself pumped up. A I bit. did, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I remember going to the movie theater and everyone was just, like, it wasn't. As busy as, like, Endgame was. Oh, my gosh. And, like, when I went to the movie theater, it was hecka crazy. Like, mm-hmm. popcorn all <laughs> over the floor yeah. and everything. But this was more chill. Like, there's more, like, security, I guess, at the front and everything. But, um, you know, compared to, like, a, another, like, minute premiere for a movie. But it wasn't as bad as Endgame. Gotcha. And, and this um, was the, the opening Thursday oh, night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And... Yeah, I just remember thinking, like, oh, this is, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm afraid. Because I made the stupid mistake of, look, like, I didn't consciously pick on it, but, like, some reviews would, like, pop up on my social feed and stuff. Ah, okay. And, like, the news outlets I followed are, like, legit, like, nerd, nerdy stuff, like, Nerdist, IGN. Like, their reviews were, like, popping up, and, like, they weren't giving, like, the best intake on the movie. So, I had my doubts, obviously, and I was like, no. Okay, gotcha. Uh And I would add, I spoke to you a little while, I think uh, a few weeks ago, and you seemed a bit lukewarm on your anticipation level. Yeah. Like, you're kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing this movie out of obligation more than out of excitement yeah right now it seems like that may have changed a little bit after kind of pumping yourself up by watching episodes seven and eight is that mm-hmm. accurate yeah definitely yeah. okay so you went in a little bit excited not a lot excited yeah and then then what then i was it's so hard to be like a fan of this stuff like because at the same time you like you like I don't know maybe I'm thinking too much into it but you just can't help you want to enjoy it but at the same time you just can't help but like critique it and stuff of course and that's I guess the mistake I kept making and it was just <laughs> like I don't know I was definitely in the moment there's some emotional stuff that I could tell like they were just like kind of like sending it off like yeah like this is gonna happen with Kylo Ren or this is gonna happen with Rey and it was just like that's cool, but at the same time, it was just, for me, it was just a big mess. <laughs> it was kind of a mess. I, I do agree there. 
It yeah. was ultimately. I felt like J.J. Abrams was trying to make a movie. Like, he was obviously, this was a sequel to a movie that never happened. That's the best way I always describe it. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, he tried, like, explain, like, um, Snoke's, like, downfall and why he wasn't actually, like, the big guy everyone thought he was, like, in mm-hmm. episode seven and the whole Palpatine connection and how he came back and... I don't know. It was just a big mess. It was rushed. Some there were some cool send offs like C three PO like when they erase his memory and saying bye to Princess Leia and the return of Lando. Like there were some cool little send offs and Easter eggs in there, but for me ultimately it it was a fun film, I'll say that. But it did not feel like the end to like this trilogy. Like I still expect to see like an episode ten with like adventures <laughs> of Finn, Ray, and Poe. And the real ending. Yeah, the real ending. <laughs> the proper send off. And it just this was not it. That's how I want <laughs> I just want to say it. Ah, uh, okay, I gotcha. So it sounds like there's some disappointment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I was certainly disappointed at at points too. I, I don't know where you're starting. Like, I need to hear your intake, and then I'll feed off of. Okay, yeah. So on my side, I feel like my experience was similar to yours in that there was some disappointment. And the uh, the enjoyment of the movie wasn't so much like the overall plot of the movie and and the action scenes and the character development, but rather just these little moments, right? you know, fan service, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So like the return of the return of Lando Calrissian was pretty awesome. I really loved how Chewie got his medal in the end. That was awesome. Like Uh that was legit. Awesome. Also legit. Awesome was the return of Harrison Ford. Um, No, Han Solo did not come back to life, but he did return to do a scene in this movie. And I thought the scene between Han and Kylo Ren was really well done. That was really well yeah, done. I yeah, I thought it was awesome. You know, that whole exchange where um, Kylo is basically telling his dad that he loves him, not saying it explicitly, but he does tell him that, and Han knows it, and he says, I know, which is so awesome <laughs> because it's a callback to Empire Strikes Back and it's really well acted and really, really well written. Like that scene was really well written, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that a lot. Um, always good to see Mark Hamill. I, I, I figured he would be coming back as a face, uh, a force ghost, and he did. And that was cool. Just seeing him come back, giving him, uh, giving Ray some words of wisdom, um, and he he levitated his his X wing out of the water. That like was Yoda cool. Did. Just like Yoda did. Mm-hmm. They played the same music. Yeah. <laughs> was, so much of the music was like straight from the original trilogy. Yeah. And um, you know, as an old school Star Wars fan, of course I loved all that. You know. And a lot of the enjoyment was was just that, like nostalgia and fan service moments. Yeah. Um, 
which, you know, that was a big reason why J.J. Abrams was brought back, I think. You know, he, he really pumped that up, you know, the nostalgia and fan service pumped that up big time with episode seven. It made a ton of money. And after the negative response to episode eight, that's why they wanted him back. They wanted him to bring back all these nostalgic moments and um, recreate a lot of the original trilogy. And he did just that. He brought the nostalgia. He brought the remaking of the original trilogy. Now, episode seven was very much a remake of episode four. (laughs) And this one, episode nine, I feel like, was very much a remake of episode uh, six, six, Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, very much so. So on one hand, you can't fault the filmmakers too much because they kind of set out to do a certain thing with this particular director. And I think they kind of succeeded in doing that to a degree. Uh, But a movie cannot live on fan service alone, (laughs) right? Yeah. You know, pretty much everything about the movie kind of sucked, right? Like the, the acting, the action, the writing, you know, besides that one scene I did mention, um, it was all kind of mediocre, right? I just, it, there wasn't anything super exciting about it. Um, there were some cool little highlights that were original, but... Like like what? Like, give me, give some to me. I like the whole Carrie Fisher, kind of like, when they explore, like, her Jedi training and everything. Oh, that was kind of interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish, you know, obviously they... They had something planned with Princess Leia, but unfortunately with the death of Carrie Fisher, I think they just had to, like, work with what they had, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like they really wanted to have, like, to bring Carrie Fisher's, like, character, Princess Leia, up to light about how she was going to be the last Jedi. Yeah. But with her untimely death, you could tell they just kind of, like, scraped whatever material they had. Yeah. Um, That... Uh, the whole end of the movie when, like, you know, Poe's like, oh, all lost hope and everything, and then, like, this, like, whole, like, end game kind of, end, <laughs> like, scene comes where everybody comes and everything. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. I thought they could have, what they could have done, some, like, end game where they have, like, I don't know, like, different species from, like, the prequels or the original, like, show, show have some screen time or something. I thought that would have been cool. Yeah. To show who is actually like the people um, in that end scene fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, real quick on that scene, you make a good point. That was a pretty exciting scene where very much mi- mirroring M- Endgame, where it seems that all hope is lost, but then the the cavalry arrives, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was thinking it doesn't nearly have the impact of the the portal scene in Endgame, right? Why is that? Well, I think you you explained it well. You don't really see who's saving the day. You just see all these vehicles, right? You Uh see X-Wings and A-Wings and, you know, it's cool to see these these, uh, 
vehicles were yeah. were familiar with, but we don't see any of the characters, right? Exactly. So there's no connection. Whereas in Avengers Endgame, we'll talk about this movie a little later <laughs> too. But in this this movie, who do you see? You see all these characters that you have have uh, gotten to know and love. Mm-hmm through the years, right? You see Black Panther walk through, and then you see Doctor Strange. You see everybody, all these characters who've had their own movies, and um, that's what made it special, right? Yeah. Whereas in this scene, like, essentially it's the same thing. It's like the good guys, like, showing up to save the day, but it doesn't have nearly the impact because it's just a bunch of sort of uh, faceless people you know, ships flying in. Yeah. You don't know who they are. You just know that they're rebels and that's really it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not as impactful. So I just wanted to <laughs> no, no, no. chime in there. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I, you know, it, it and it, I think it does illustrate a lot of the shortcomings of the movie where there are moments that are kind of cool, but overall it's just not really that satisfying because a lot of it is like underdeveloped storylines and characters that maybe you don't really care about that much. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's not a, it wasn't a fulfilling experience watching this movie. Like I said, like other highlights, it was finally cool to kind of see the the Knights of Ren. Um, Oh, right. But they were like blown away (laughs) fast. Yeah. They didn't, do a whole lot uh it was like i said there were like some moments but it didn't live up to whatever hype that it was supposed to be you know yeah Yeah, you mentioned rushed it did it did feel like maybe it was a little rushed Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine that because this has been you know years in the making but i don't know it seems like they didn't take the the time or effort to really uh put out a good product here yeah <laughs> you know? it was totally like you know that whole what lazy ray that's what you call it like about like ray you have these powers because guess what you're palpatine it's like yeah okay yeah like that's kind of lazy everyone thought she was gonna be like a skywalker or a kenobi it's like nope, he's a Palpatine. It's like okay, I mean, still someone we're all familiar with, like mm-hmm. not someone's outside of you know the mainstream Star Wars universe that we would know or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's talk about the Emperor a little bit. So, the Emperor is a pretty badass character in the Star Wars universe, right? Um. So when I first heard him in the trailer, the trailer uh-huh. I was like, oh, shit, is that the Emperor? Is he going to be in this movie? Ooh, like, well, what's going to happen, right? As it turned out, man, I, I really didn't like much of anything that the Emperor did in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was pretty weak, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like in this this kind of goes into a bigger conversation about the whole trilogy, seven through nine. But I feel like J.J. Abrams really kind of stuck to his guns and tried to finish his trilogy. Yeah. But he didn't have a trilogy, right? He directed episodes seven and nine. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost like he completely 
dismissed episode eight, mm-hmm. right? Which you can't do because it happened. You can't ignore it. But he kind of made this movie, episode nine, as if episode eight never happened, or at least he didn't want it to happen. Yeah. You know? You, that was definitely very evident, you know, when we see like ray saying like oh luke actually wanted to do this like wanted to look for this like um that one thing i don't know what's it called right this device that would help find where the the emperor was the emperor was and then and then but then like because you know in episode eight you just hear luke say like after the whole failure of the jedi training he just went off and flew off to an island like wants to live the rest of his days there Whereas, like, J.J. Abrams was like, nope, he actually wants you to do this other journey. Yeah, and yeah. And gave up and did this. That's why he went to the island. So it's just, like, like you said, very dismissive of what the actions of episode eight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're in total agreement here. And I was wondering if this was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. It, it was, it really was J.J. just kind of, poo-pooing episode eight and i was surprised because i thought it could have been really great if he stuck to his vision but still kind of gracefully integrated what ryan johnson did with episode eight and it could have been kind of a cool thing if you know not easy but it could have been pretty awesome but uh yeah it that wasn't the case at all yeah, he he really just just kind of erased episode eight from from the entire series <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I think yeah, the most the the most explicit thing he did was wedge the emperor into this trilogy because it was clear that he wanted Snoke to be the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, and when Ryan Johnson killed Snoke in episode eight. He was just like, oh, I guess let's just bring the Emperor back and then he'll fill the void that Snoke left when he died, right? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not because I know, I was reading this article that J.J. Abrams said from, you know, it was always planned since Episode 7 to bring the Emperor back. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how yeah. they were to bring him back, but I think, I really think that Snoke should, he had like this like, intention of having snoke be like the big bad guy mm-hmm. but i don't know how like that would fit then if he said like it was always the intention to bring the emperor back by episode nine okay so i i don't know well i don't know what they planned but it sure felt like jj wanted snoke to be the big bad yeah and since he wasn't around he just kind of wedged the emperor in at the end and that totally didn't work because the Emperor has not been in this trilogy. So when he shows up in the beginning and he has all these like ghost ships and this whole like fleet of uh, Star Destroyers, I-, I was like, where's this coming from? Yeah. This right. is coming out of nowhere, right? Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, why does uh, the-, the dopest stuff in Endgame work so well? Well, because there's like, 10 years of development that is paying off at that moment right and here it's like 
stuff is coming up out of nowhere. So like I, I'm not I'm not invested at all, right? There was no setup for the emperor, and it just felt wedged in, and it totally didn't work. A lot of a lot of the stuff in this movie was really ridiculous, and um, and there, there was no connection. There was no like there were there's no connection between seven, eight, nine. You know, like there were just like like you're saying, it's a big mess. You know, they were they were not uh, connected at all. No, no. Yeah, so it's unfortunate. For me, one of the biggest letdowns in episode nine was um, the character Rose. I felt. Oh. Yeah. Just because, like, in episode eight, there was so much hate to the actress, and I felt hella bad. Yeah. And then, you know, I since I thought, like, oh, she'll have, like, her, like, redemption time in episode nine. Nope. And no, they totally, <laughs> like, sidetracked her. And yeah. I'm, like, thinking, that is so messed up. Like, she's having so much hate online and everything. Like, give her, like, her moment. She never had her moment. Then, you know, she had that awkward kiss in episode eight that I thought they would continue that relationship between her and Finn. And yeah, that, that that never shipped in episode ha- nine. Did not happen. Finn never even got with Ray either in episode nine. He was totally, like, friend-zoned. Like, <laughs> Frank on, Finn didn't even... The Poe and Finn, like, gay relationship, everybody wanted the even happen. Finn got no one at the end. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm just laughs> we're, we're tangenting a bit, but yeah, you're you're right. Um, but yeah, going back to the Rose thing, yeah, it's almost like as if the haters won here because she was completely sidelined in this movie, right? Yeah. She was she had nothing to do, and um, really had nothing to do with like the main story in this movie right Mm -hmm. and it's pretty unfortunate and it really that that maybe even more than this emperor stuff i was talking about really illustrated like jj abrams saying okay let's just go back to what i was doing just forget about episode eight we're just gonna sweep that under the rug and we're gonna move on you know and it's a shame you know because like i was saying episode eight happened this is star wars canon you mm-hmm. can't pretend it didn't happen and just like erase it. You have to deal with it, you know. And J.J. Yeah. Um, Abrams is a competent filmmaker. He could have gracefully integrated the stuff from the Last Jedi and and kind of wrapped it up. But uh, yeah, he almost was like stubbornly sticking to his version of Star Wars, right? And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there were. Some mixed results there, to say the least. Oh, I mean, okay, we don't want to go on and on yeah. about Star Wars. This is a year-end year uh, review episode. But I did have one last thought. You mentioned how it was cool seeing Carrie Fisher. And yes, of course, it was awesome to see Carrie Fisher. It was awesome to see Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. However, the death of Leia didn't sit so well with me. Because it was very clear that it was not Carrie Fisher on camera when Leia died, right? Mm -hmm. So Leia had a pretty heroic death because she used her Force abilities to uh, affect Kylo Ren when he was battling Rey, right? Um, And 
and Leia helped Ray out big time. Mm-hmm. And it was a pivotal moment, not only in keeping Ray alive, but also uh, helping Kylo Ren, you know, see the 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 the, cor- the correct path, yeah. right? The way. Um, but you know, sadly, Carrie Fisher did not shoot her own death scene, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, uh, so this this almost supports what I'm saying before: how J.J. Abrams was really stubbornly sticking with his original uh, plan, because it it seemed like his original plan was to have Leia have this heroic death and Carrie Fisher to kind of ride off into the sunset, right? But she wasn't able to do that death scene, right? What did we get instead? What we got instead was seeing a double, you know, keel over in bed, passing away. And we all know that's not Carrie Fisher. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if, if Princess Leia is going to die, we should see Carrie Fisher's face. We should see Carrie Fisher act out this iconic character's death, right? We didn't get to see that. So I would argue because of those circumstances, don't kill off Leia. Because you you can't kill her off without seeing Carrie Fisher's face. Like, it's just, it just doesn't work, you know? So I was, yeah, it, that, that, that scene didn't sit well with me. It just, it's just weird. You know, it's like that, that's not her. <laughs> that's some double in, in a bed. And yeah, it just, yeah, uh, that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. The stuff leading up to it and actually, and some of the stuff after where we see some of the backstory, um, kind of cool. You know, we actually see a, a young Luke and Leia training. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. Uh, but the death scene was, was all wrong. All wrong. Okay, but, you know, uh, we're kind of going on and on here. Any last thoughts on episode nine? I mean... We, we've, been, we've been trashing it yeah. here. Do you want to give it a quick grade? I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to give it a grade because we've been talking a lot of shit and... I, I didn't hate it. I know? didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I think I, mean, we, I saw it twice. Yeah, so. <laughs> and and there there were a lot of moments to love here, um, for sure, for sure. You know, particularly longtime Star Wars fans, and mm-hmm. you know, we we are certainly longtime Star Wars fans, and there's a lot to love there. Um, but I, I think we can't help but be quite disappointed in a lot of the movie. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move onward. Year in review. So 2019. A whole lot of stuff happened in 2019. Not just Star Wars. Uh, so let's talk about it as we do this time of year. We go through TV, comics, and movies. Uh, so let's do it in that order. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the most notable television that came out in 2019 and as we do uh it's a comic book you know leaning uh but you know 
we can we can call out non-comic book stuff too. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think about uh, this year in TV? TV, I would think, looking back on my Netflix watch history, I didn't watch, I guess, a lot of comic book TV, but um, there were some good shows. Disney Plus, I can't wait, excited for all that Marvel stuff, but before all that, you know, we like we mentioned earlier, we got Star Wars stuff, we got... The Mandalorian. That's right. Which was pretty good. Yes. So th- that's actually not a bad place to start because we just talked about episode nine and let's be honest, we kind of trashed it. <laughs> let's turn this around because um, as disappointing as the rise of Skywalker was, I would say the Mandalorian was a home run. It was really great. And um, this was the showcase television series from the Disney Plus launch. And it did not disappoint at all. Um, This just finished. Again, uh, spoiler alert. We'll be going through plot details. But, um, yeah, what's your take on, on Mandalorian? I think, I mean, I liked it. I don't think I, I liked it as much as you did. <laughs> okay. But, um, I mean, there were, d- did you ever watch uh, Rebels? No, no. Clone Wars? No. Cause well, I, I saw the, the Clone Wars movie. I did see that. Cause Not the show. I heard if you watch Clone Wars or Rebels, you'll love the show even more. Really? Because there is so much more Easter eggs. Like, oh. like you know, especially like the ending, the episode 8 ending with the... Are we talking spoilers here? Yes, or? we are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Darksaber and everything. Yeah. That's featured a lot in, I guess, the Rebels show. Oh, okay. And so I guess like when, you know, if you watch the show, people are like, oh my gosh, see <laughs> that and everything. Uh-huh. And so people are like, what if we're going to get, what if we get this person from Rebels on a live action, like on season two and whatever. And I've never seen Rebels. So I'm just like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Um. But it just goes to show, like, there's a lot more to Star Wars than just the Skywalker live-action storyline, you know? And I'm not familiar with it. I guess I got to watch the shows. Um, but I do love the the show in general. We got introduced to Baby Yoda. Yes. With, A.K.A. the child. The child. Or the asset, <laughs> right? Um, the Mando, he was pretty cool and then there yeah. were just really just really good casting choices yeah there i i mean i don't know most of their names but ming wong she was in there oh uh, you mean ming na wen yeah yep she was in there from agents of shield yeah Mulan. yep um the actress who was um what's her name tonks in the harry potter series oh uh wait what character did she play she was um Professor Ruber, the werewolf professor, his wife. Oh, okay. Um, she was a wildling in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, yes. She was in one of the episodes. Yep. Um, a really good one. Yeah, that was a really yeah, good episode. It was like kind of a heist-themed yeah. episode. Yeah. So there were really good cameos in there. Yeah. And it was just, it was a pretty good show. 
Yeah, you mentioned how this show showed that Star Wars doesn't have to be all about the Skywalker family, right? So I hope that The Mandalorian is a huge lesson to Lucasfilm to show them that, guess what? It doesn't have to be about the Star Wars. It doesn't have to be about lightsabers and Jedi and Sith all the time, right? Um, They took a very fresh and different approach to Star Wars, and it was awesome, you know? Um, Yeah, I, I was thinking that our year in review would be more casual. We don't have to rank anything or outright list, oh, this was the best movie of the year or the best TV show, but I'm saying it right now. I think The Mandalorian is the show of 2019, the best television series of the year. Yeah, I'm saying it. It was that good. And <clears throat> it really was what we're saying. It's, it's, it was a departure from the Skywalkers and a very refreshing departure, you know? And it really goes to show you that, you know, Star Wars doesn't have to be this one thing. Like, I've been saying this for a while now. Um, I think Star Wars fatigue has really kicked in because all these movies are are kind of the same movie over and yeah. over again, right? They're just, uh, it's the same uh, template that they're, that they're using, right? Yeah. And um, The Mandalorian, while still honoring the past films and, yeah, past TV shows, um, it's taken this universe in a whole different direction. And, it's, and it's, it showed everyone that, uh, you know what? It can Star Wars can be something different, you know. Um, I think I really feel like the movie studios, you know, Lucasfilm uh, in particular, they're scared to do something different, right? Yeah. I remember when they were rolling out all this new stuff. They announced Episode Seven, Eight, Nine. They talked about Rogue One and and Solo, and there was some talk about, oh, this is going to be different. Like, you know, hold on to your seats because this is going to be different, yeah. right? And then uh, episode seven came out and it wasn't different at all. This is like, it was like a new hope revisited, right? And no one was really complaining because the movie made so much money and a lot of the fans were pretty happy with it. Um, but I think that changed something. It was almost unfortunate that, that movie was so successful because I think Lucasfilm was kind of like, well, I guess if it don't, if it isn't broken, then why try to fix it? So even these movies that they're trying to be different, they ended up being kind of all the same, right? And um, that, for me, I think that really led to the Star Wars fatigue. Like I, I was, it baffled me, right? It's like Marvel puts out like. Marvel Studios specifically puts out like three movies a year, and that that didn't have felt that didn't feel like it was too much. Why would one Star Wars movie a year feel like too much, right? Yeah. Well, if it's the same movie over and over again, yeah, of course it's gonna feel tired. Yeah. So there you go, and The Mandalorian, uh, they they really nailed it. You know, like it was, it was different and. Uh, wildly enjoyable you know all the stuff you mentioned like the great cast the performances great action sequences 
the production quality like this didn't feel like a tv show it felt like watching star wars movies you know yeah. each episode was like a mini star wars movie and um yeah they they, they really uh you know, subverted a lot of the trends, you know, like I noticed the runtime for these shows was kind of all over the place. Like some shows were 40 minutes, some were a little longer and they didn't really stick to like, oh, one hour show or half an hour show. It's just like however long they needed to tell the story they wanted to tell. Right. And um, it felt like that. It felt like whatever they put in each episode was exactly the story they wanted to tell. Like they didn't have to pad it with extra time so it could hit that one hour mark or they didn't have to cut it down so drastically to fit it into like a half hour time slot. They told us the exact story they wanted to tell and it really felt that way. And uh, great show, great show. I really hope it continues and I'm looking forward to season two. What else? We, we don't want to talk about Star Wars all night, right? <laughs> Any other notable uh, TV shows you want to talk about? Uh, for me, Umbrella Academy. I Umbrella was, Academy. Yeah, that uh, that was early this year, but this year for that sure. Was earlier this year. Um, I mean, yeah, we had a whole episode dedicated to season we did. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I, I was a little mixed on Umbrella Academy. I did enjoy it. I didn't love it. Uh, but I was a little mixed. I recall you were a little mixed on it too. Have you kind of grown to to love it more over time? I think? think so. Yeah, I, I feel like I would actually rewatch it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I kind of got that sense that it might have some some staying power because it was really different. Kind of like what I was saying with Mandalorian, it was very original. You know, it was a different sort of thing. It's sort of like. Um, a very fresh and new way uh, to look at the X-Men story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other, I guess, like comic book shows. I mean, this show isn't new, but it was new on Netflix, and that's why I got into it, was um, Lucifer. Okay, yep. I got into it this year. That one one really caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And then when Netflix picked it up, the Netflix season was just really like the best it was really really good interesting i haven't seen it at all it's good to know and i haven't read any of the comics but it's been making me want to read the comics um yeah so those are some of my best okay and then some of my not favorite um i mean can we talk are we gonna talk Game of Thrones, <laughs> like hey bring it on that's like that, my, that is, that's already in- interesting to me listing got as a not favorite. Like, what do you mean by not favorite? <laughs> it was just, it was just not good. Like, I remember Game of Thrones were being good. I'll definitely tell anyone who who if they haven't seen it to get into it. Yeah. But this the last season was just like it was just not good. They yeah. had two years to work on it, and it was just so disappointing. So much hype for something that didn't work out. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. There was a long gap before the final episodes released, right? Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectation, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I kind of agree with you that the final season didn't really deliver. Um, I don't think I despised it as much as you, but I will say this, 
that one episode that was really dark. Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> yeah. That one was pretty shitty. <laughs> I couldn't see anything, man. It was too dark. And, um, you know, a lot of people were excited about how Arya killed off the Night King in the end. And um, that was really silly to me. Like, here's a guy who was, like, basically invincible. And then kind of out of nowhere, she just kind of flies across the screen does a little knife trick, and yeah. then he just disappears, right? It was it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to go too deep into GOT, but yeah, specifically, it's, it's um, season eight, episode three. It's called The Long Night, and we all know it. It's the Battle of Winterfell, and it's the dark episode. <laughs> Every, mm-hmm. Everyone knows it as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot... Uh, to be desired there. Um, I will say this, um, you know, I don't want to shit on GOT too much. I did like how they wrapped up the series. Like, the series finale to me was uh, was pretty satisfying. Like, I liked how they kind of uh, wrapped things up and they showed where all the main characters were headed at the end. Um, there was closure, I thought. I'm the exact opposite. I didn't. Oh, yeah. have, I didn't have closure. Like you didn't. <laughs> like with Star Wars, like I said, how I didn't feel like the stories of like Poe, Ray, and Finn didn't feel like the end. Like that's how I felt by like with Arya and um and the rest of the cast and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I felt like I'm gonna watch another season of Game of Thrones next year or something. <laughs> and I just I don't know. Maybe in I your just, mind, you're still waiting yeah. for that final season? Yeah, I guess I expect too much from these <laughs> franchises. <laughs> Maybe you are. <laughs> Maybe you are. Uh, just real quick, I'll, I'll list a few other shows that I thought were really good this year. Stranger Things Season 3 dropped this year. I thought it was... That one was really good. That I thought it was really great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, a couple of non-comic book television shows. I saw this show called Chernobyl. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. It was on HBO. Very, oh, very not in comic book That's a um, Russian show, right? Yeah, the Russian uh, nuclear disaster. Yeah, on HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really I've good. Heard, I've heard really good things yeah, about that one. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, it's really good. Like, you know, it's, it's obviously about the, the big meltdown that happened in, okay. in Russia. Yeah, but, okay. uh, I need to watch that one. It, of course, it has the train wreck factor. Like, you, if you want to see a disaster happening, you will see the disaster happening. Yeah. But also, it is, a, it is a, a really interesting, detailed, insightful look into crisis management and uh, problem solving. Mm-hmm. Leave it at that. Okay. But but uh, r- really well done, um, and maybe even less comic booky. There was a series I really enjoyed on Netflix called "The Greatest Events of World War II in Color." <laughs> and this is th- that's the title of the show, and um, I'm not like uh, a History Channel guy. Um, I have started to get some interest in world war ii there's a great world war ii museum in new orleans i went there with my family um not that long ago i I think it was at the beginning of this year and really awesome museum and it kind of sparked some interest 
in World War II for me. So, like, I immediately watched um, Saving Private Ryan for the first time after I went to that museum. And I already had some World War II interest with Captain America and whatnot. Um, so I tried this series out, and uh, it's really awesome. <laughs> um, as far as uh, uh, war biopics go, um, it is, uh, it's top-notch, got to say. Um, don't have a, a lot to compare it with because it's sort of new territory for me, but it is uh, really well done, really yeah. well done. Okay. So I think that's uh, that's TV. Okay, yeah. wait, I have a few more. Please go okay. ahead. For when it comes to TV, I one of the best shows for sure that came out this year. That I don't know if it's my best one, but that just came to mind was um, the Boys. Ah, yes, good call. That one good was call. really, really well done. I I remember it took me a while to get into it, but once I got into it, I got into it. Mm-hmm. Really interesting, yeah. That I totally forgot about that show. That's a great one to call out. Um, in that same vein, I wanted to call out Watchmen. Watchmen oh, yeah, just gonna, finished uh, recently. I was about to say, I was going to say, Henry, how's Watchmen? Yeah, now? oh, I'm glad you didn't uh, let me uh, finish the TV segment because, yeah, The Boys, Watchmen, you mentioned Umbrella Academy. Um, I think Mandalorian would fit in this camp too, but... Um, it almost is like like this is the future of television. Like all four of these shows are very different. Um, I definitely like them to differing degrees, um, but I think it's unmistakable that these shows are are very unique. Yeah. And creative and original. And yeah, like th- this is kind of where we're headed, I think. You know, we, people don't want to see the same crap all over again, right? There is so much TV nowadays that we don't have time to watch the same garbage again and again, right? We need new stuff. And uh, a lot of the stuff we've been mentioning are, you know, they're good examples, right? Yeah. I guess one of the last shows I would mention is um, right now that I'm watching that's like, I guess my to-go is The Witcher. Ah, yeah. I've heard about this. Yeah. I've never read any of the books or played any of the games but it's that one's pretty good right it just released on netflix right yeah and now would you would you say that this is filling a got sized hole in your heart oh yeah for sure for sure okay Uh so okay so for for anyone who's who's uh depressed that got is over or that got ended badly uh, maybe The Witcher is yeah. a good way to go. I, th- I think The Witcher. The Witcher, or surprisingly, I would say um, The Dragon Prince. Have you heard of that show? Uh, no. It is Game of Thrones, without a doubt, but a kid's version. Okay. So, so this is totally, your kid could totally watch oh, this. Oh, okay. The Dragon Prince? The Dragon okay. Prince. Okay. It's a All cartoon, right. but it's totally Game of Thrones. Like, who's going to be the king? And it involves dragons and magic and all that kind of stuff so it definitely has a game of thrones vibe but it's definitely kids oh interesting okay yeah. <laughs> i might have to check it out with uh with my son simon uh-huh. all right so that's tv. tv let's uh let's move on let's go on to comics this is the comic sauce podcast so we will <laughs> talk about comics now the tricky part about comics is that for comics readers well, 
not all comics readers, but you know, for comics readers like us, I think we tend to read stuff that is maybe a few years old. We're not like up to date on the latest releases, right? Yeah. So it's tricky to do your review on comics, right? Because usually we won't have read a whole lot of comics of the year to date, mm-hmm. right? So there's a little bit of a caveat in our comics year review, and it's that comics that we enjoyed that we read this year, but not necessarily that were released this year, right? Uh, so maybe we can just throw out a few recommendations. Any cool stuff that uh, you read this year? Um, I just started reading Watchmen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, nice. I got into it, yeah, because everyone was telling me to watch the AP, HBO show. But I've been, yeah, getting into reading Watchmen. It's mm-hmm. taking me so long to yeah. to get into it, though. I'm like on issue three. Okay, so uh-huh. you're just like in the first fourth of it or yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you're not uh, rushing through it because yeah, I mean I feel especially the first time reading the original graphic novel, it's a good idea to you know take your time and yeah let it sink in. That um, Umbrella Academy that was one I read like right after the show came out. That one was really good. Spider-Man 2099. I read that one at the beginning of the year, right after Into the Spider-Verse came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spidey 2099 does appear at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Right? And then yep, I, yep. I read uh, the, the one comic I just finished reading was The Killing Joke. Cause, oh okay. Because I got you know after watching Joker, I watched. The, yeah. I read that. <laughs> what did you think about that? Uh, the movie or the the the, uh, the the comic book, The Killing Joke. It was you know this is actually my first like DC comic I've ever bought, <laughs> so that was fun. Ever. Ever bought really? Uh, like usually wow. when I have a DC comic, it's either because you or Christian give it to me. So this was my wow. first like DC comic I bought out of my way. <laughs> okay, and uh, you got the the Watchmen graphic novel, which is DC also. Yeah. So okay, wow. Okay, so this is uh, this is like I don't know, a sign of the apocalypse or something. <laughs> Porfirio is buying DC shit. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, that one was really good. I you know because the movie was really good. Uh, we could talk about it later, but the movie is really good. That definitely influenced me to read the comic and it, um, check it out. Because I watched the animated film, but um, mm-hmm. something after watching the movie, something told me to go and read the comic, actually. Mm-hmm. And the comic was really good. Nice. Um, I haven't read it in ages, but uh, I remember it being and it's, pretty awesome. Alan Morrison did uh, Killing Joke, right? Yeah, Alan or, Moore. Yeah, Alan Moore, Who? and he did Watchmen also, didn't that's he? That's right. That's right. So, that's why it's, I like it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, your what? What did you read this year that you liked? Okay, yeah, I have a few picks certainly. Um, yeah, so I did read a lot of Marvel this year, a whole lot of Marvel. Um, I think in years past, I've, I've, you know. Mix it up pretty well, getting some image and some DC in there. Um, but uh, 
for whatever reason, I was very Marvel-focused in 2019, and uh, a lot of my favorite stuff was Marvel Comics. Um, There was a series I want to call out. It's called Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. It's from a while back. This is from 2006, and it's pretty cool. It's like... uh, it's like it's a Spider-Man story, but it's not really about Spider-Man. It's about Peter Parker and his friends, and it, it's almost like um, an Archie comics take on Spider-Man. It's like it's all about like uh, Peter Parker in high school and like relationship type stuff, and him dealing with friends and enemies and that sort of thing, and uh, really well written. And the art is really cool, too. It looks like Japanese manga. And uh, so it's this really kind of cool mix of, like, a a manga look and kind of this teen angst storytelling, Mm -hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, very different, very cool. I'm not even sure how I came across it, but uh, I really dug it. Um, th- this series went on for a while, but I did want to call out the the first collection. Like, there's uh, the first trade issues, one through five in particular, are really good. So uh, definitely want to recommend that. Um, Rocket Raccoon. I somehow developed the Rocket Raccoon obsession at some point this year, <laughs> I read a lot of Rocket comics, and um, uh, I, I did want to call out one in particular. It's called Rocket Raccoon Grounded. Uh, this came out not long ago, 2017, and uh, again, this this uh, it was uh, issues one through five. That trade I think is particularly particularly good. It's funny. It's kind of it's kind of the Rocket we love. He's he's sarcastic. He's, he's hilarious, um, and this particular story is Rocket on Earth. So, like, Rocket adventures tend to be, like, cosmic, right? He's out mm-hmm. in different galaxies and whatnot, but here's Rocket on Earth, and he thinks Earth is, like, a total shithole. <laughs> so that alone is pretty funny, right? Um, so that's great. And, um, and I usually bring up Ed Brubaker in these uh, year-end review uh, segments for comics because he's like he's like my king in terms of comic writers and this year he didn't disappoint so uh he has an ongoing series criminal um and uh it's it's really great like he 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 re- revisited criminal uh recently after um like a long hiatus from that series and the the new criminal comics have been great and there's one issue in particular like if there was a if we were to say like oh what was the single comic of the year like this would be it for me it's it's uh the current criminal series 2019 criminal issue number two it's it's really awesome it's called the longest weekend and um it's uh it's it's a crime series, so the issue does deal with crime, but it also deals with like uh, the comics industry too. Uh, so, um, pretty awesome. Like, like I was saying, I, every year Brubaker 
brings like a, a gem to, to the comics world and and this year was no different and yeah this did release this year so this is one of the exceptions to what we've been talking about how these lists typically are like stuff from years past um, but one last thing uh, probably the best comic series I read this year and I think you read it too but it was the Age of Ultron series. So this was a 2013 collection, issues 1 through 10, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and um, kind of blew me away. I, again, I, I'm not sure uh, how or when exactly I came across this. I did read it this year. I know that for a fact. Um, but I think I've been doing this thing where like, I have this kind of uh, uh, unofficial goal to, to read every major Marvel comic storyline at some point, you know? Uh, and I know Age of Ultron is a big one, right? Yeah. They made a movie called Age of Ultron, right? So um, I started it, and uh, I couldn't put it down. I really loved it. And um, I think a big reason why I loved it was the fact that it was so superior to the movie. You know, I, I've voiced my displeasure on the movie Avengers Age of Ultron quite a bit before. I thought it was very mediocre and it left a lot to be desired. The comic series is so awesome. You know, I feel like um, the comic series is what the movie should, should have been. You know, um, in the comics, Ultron is dangerous like really dangerous mm -hmm. and um in the in the movie like ultron didn't feel dangerous to me like they felt like these clunky robots that didn't really kill you know like there's there's supposed to be this threat this worldwide threat that like ultron was going to take over the world he was going to going to kill all these people um that danger was not there in the movie. But in the comics, like almost from page one, you got that sense that uh, Ultron is super dangerous, not just to regular people, but to superheroes. Like yeah. superheroes were in deep danger. Like a lot of superheroes were just dying. Ultron, the Ultron army, which is like taking out superheroes at an alarming rate, right? And you got the sense that like the end of the world is happening because Ultron has has evolved into like the perfect killing machine. And uh, yeah, that sense of danger was, was really there. And it made like the challenge for the superheroes that much greater and uh, just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Now you read this as well, right? Yeah. I read yeah. That. So mm -hmm. what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? I thought this? it was really good in the beginning. I think after the whole time travel thing though, it like totally like lost me. <laughs> like, the second half. Okay. But the first half was really strong. And like you said, that's what the movie should have been. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, the, the setup was this dystopian world where Ultron has like eliminated tons of people and tons of superheroes. Yeah. Right. And um, yes, it does get into time travel. And um, yeah, I think I talked about this before, but time travel is kind of an easy way out, kind of yeah. like cheating in terms of your storytelling. But, and this is kind of weird to say, but like in movies, I feel like time travel is really cheating. But in comics, 
I don't know. I feel like it's a little more acceptable in comics for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know because it's illustrations and not like live action or something. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what I got to say there. But yeah, understandable. I, I could see where the time travel part could get a little tedious. Yeah. But for, for me, yeah, I, I really loved, uh, loved this series. Oh, one more. I mean, I don't know if this is comic book related. Um, I also got my first manga that's what's okay called. yeah uh which was my hero academia okay which is also one of my favorite shows this year oh okay yeah for sure i nice. after watching the show i got my first manga which was like the first i don't know what, what would you call it trade i uh, i think so yeah uh-huh. yep yep so this year was definitely different for me in terms of reading comics i'm totally like exploring some outside stuff outside oh, cool. Marvel. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, I have a lot more to check out, like, you know, like Saga or something like that. But yeah, this year is definitely different for me. That's cool, man. <laughs> you're reading DC, you're reading manga. Awesome. Uh-huh. And that makes me think I did read a pretty good manga series too. So the Alita Battle Angel oh, movie uh-huh. came out and that that one came out, yeah, in March this year. I think so, yeah. And yeah. that got me interested in the manga, and I did read uh, some of the manga, and I thought it was great, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so there you have it, comics. Any last thoughts on no, comics? That's it, cool. I think, yeah. Yeah, let's keep, uh, let's keep it moving. Let's go on to movies. Movies. Yeah. So 2019, I mean, a lot of big things happened in 2019 we talked about star wars episode 9 we talked a little bit about avengers endgame and these these were huge monumental movie releases right? yeah um but uh yeah Porfirio, what's uh what's your take on movies in 2019 2019 was a good year um you see yeah there was Okay. What were your some what were some of your favorites? Some of my favorites this year. Godzilla. Oh yeah? <laughs> For real, Godzilla. <laughs> oh my god. I haven't seen the new Godzilla. Everyone hates it. Really? <laughs> Everyone hates it except me. <laughs> so that I don't know if that's saying much, but everybody I've shown it to hates it. Oh, interesting. But I love it to death. I could watch that over and over again. Now, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I did see and disliked the previous Godzilla movie. I hate, I didn't like the, Oh, you didn't? I didn't. Oh, I, so I hated it. So also. you, for me, you would probably recommend checking out the new one. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because, okay. I mean, like, in the last one, there was not that much Godzilla and more humans. Yeah. This one's, like, the exact opposite. There way okay. more Godzilla and monsters fighting, not that much humans. Okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, cool. Uh, Godzilla, um, Joker, uh Joker Shazam was really good. Shazam was really good. Uh Captain Marvel, that one was good. The Lion King. Nice good movie. The new Lion King. Yeah, I saw that. Uh-huh. I enjoyed it as well. Uh-huh. Your son liked it, right? Oh, he loved it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I thought that he would love it and I would dislike it. But I ended up liking it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought the the uh um, the effects in the movie were pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, it really looked like real animals all throughout. <laughs> like, for real, you know? 
So that was that was a pretty amazing achievement for sure. Um, yeah, those are the top ones that come to mind for this year. Um, Spider Man, Spider Man Far from Far from Home, excellent flick. Yep. Um, yeah. What What are some of your top favorites? Okay. Well, let's see. I'm in agreement with uh, a few of your picks. Uh, I did enjoy Spider Man Far from Home. And I did enjoy Captain Marvel. And I did enjoy Joker. Didn't love any of those three. And uh, we talked about this before, but I definitely agree. I definitely disagree on Shazam. <laughs> we talked about this, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if we've talked about it in, in detail. Uh, so I'll talk about it a little bit here. And um, I know we're not uh, officially doing like, this is the worst, this is the best, etc. But if I had to pick a worst movie of 2019, and I hate to do it because I don't want to be like the DC hater, uh, but it would be Shazam. Really? Yeah. Like I could, sorry, I could tell you a whole nother, you'd be surprised for, for my worst disappointment movie of the year, but. Okay, well, uh, let, let's it, let's but, uh, but, pause on that. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> okay, I'm anxious to hear yours, but. My, okay. But I'll, I'll go ahead, and again, I don't want to be Mr. DC, DC Basher. I did like Joker quite a bit, like I was saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shazam. Now, part of it, I think, was some expectation because you saw it, like, really early, right? I you got, got, like, a, a, a yeah. sneak preview or something? Yeah, there was, like, a two-week early screening of it, mm-hmm. and I, me and Christian went to go watch it, and we were just like, it's going to be a kid's movie, like, whatever, but I ended up, yeah, like, really liking it a lot. Yeah, and and you told me about it. So And you said you loved it, and I was like, oh, this actually might be pretty good. I think I heard from some other folks about it. Had a lot of expectations. And um, I ended up seeing it on TV. Uh, I think it might have been not long after, like, its video release. So it already had its theatrical run, but I did see it on TV. And, um, yeah, maybe I was expecting more because... Um, I didn't like the trailers at all. And like, like you, I thought this is like kind of for kids, right? Um, but here's a weird thing for me. Like it didn't work for me because I thought it wasn't really a movie for adults, but it kind of wasn't for kids either. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to (laughs) get into, into it too much. But I did watch this movie with my son. Um, and so, like, not only was it not working for me, but there was, a, there was a scene in this movie that was really scary, and my son freaked out. <laughs> he had to, like, run out of the room. There's, like, a, there's like a bo- board meeting, and oh, the villain, like, yeah, summons yeah. all these yeah. demons, and they just, like, kill everyone in the room basically and it was a pretty legit scary and frightening um so like i'm not i'm not like reviewing this movie for my son but that that's that sat with me a bit where i was like oh shit not only is this movie not really working for me 
but it just scared the shit out of my son too. <laughs> so um, I have to give this one a big thumbs down. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so what about your least favorite? I'm surprised to hear you Mine's, have one. My my least favorite is actually a Marvel movie. Really? Uh-huh. Dark Phoenix. Okay. I haven't seen it. That. I mean, you don't have to. Like, <laughs> I saw it for like four dollars, and even then, I was like, mm, "This is a little too much than what I would pay for." But, <laughs> um, so I've heard a lot of hate for this movie, but I haven't really heard many specifics. Like, wh- what are like some of the reasons why it's so bad? I mean, have you seen Last Stand? Uh, like you know, like X three, the yeah, Last X3. Stand. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. They did not learn from their mistakes. Like okay. it's basically the same thing. Like the whole storyline doesn't fit with the new X Men characters, the younger the younger ones of like, you know, Magneto and um Professor X yeah. and it's nothing fresh, nothing nothing powerful about this Phoenix, um, which is a huge disappointment. Uh it just it just fell flat. There's one cool um, action scene that if if it did not have that, I would say it's like the most. This movie would have sucked. <laughs> and it's just so disappointing because it's the end of a X Men franchise, you know, yeah. for Fox until yeah. they transfer over to Disney. Right. And they had some good highlight moments, you know, with Days of Future Past, First Class. And this one just sucked. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Uh-huh. Yeah. My sense of the movie was that it was just this last little cash grab before Marvel Studios took over the X-Men, you know? Yeah. And it was just kind of cashing in. And sounds like that's exactly what it was. Like, there wasn't really much of any sort of quality to it. They are just trying to get what little they could yeah left out of it right mm-hmm. okay so um we're not done with movies yet because there's a big one we haven't talked much about at all Me. we touched upon it but avengers endgame right <laughs> we have to talk about this movie. okay now when this came out you know we did full recaps and everything um but that was like kind of our, our first take. In fact, I think that was myself and Rainier. So I don't think you actually chimed I, in fully on this I movie. Could, yeah, I didn't. I couldn't make it to that recording. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about it here. In particular, I want to. In particular, I want to talk about it because this is my movie of the year. Without a doubt, it's my movie of the okay, year. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> there you go. Boom, boom. So let's talk about it. now. This is not my favorite MCU movie of all time. Far from it. And uh, I said that right after I saw the movie. And I've seen it a number of times since. And I'm still going to say that. But in terms of a, an experience, this is, this is the movie of 2019. It, it, just, it just simply is. And... Um, wasn't perfect, but uh, it just has a lot going for it. We talked about the portal scene, uh, just the the feeling, the feelings that that came 
from all those superheroes walking yeah. through those portals. Oh my God. Like that alone was just incredible. The right? best. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't really know where to start here, but like, what, what, any just thoughts on Endgame? I mean, Endgame, I, it was more than a movie. It was an event. Like, yeah. It was, it's so hard to describe my feelings for it because you know like i totally was into invested into it like i went into the movie theater of like a spider-man suit <laughs> and then yeah. every like like i said that was the day like the movie theaters were like packed and everything like there's popcorn everywhere people are trying to like get to the seats like they had like an end game show in like every like 15 minutes and everything yeah. and um, I mean, yeah, just the experience alone. Like, everyone was just hyped. Every five minutes during the movie, someone was clapping for something. Mm-hmm. Where they'd be, like, the 360 screenshot of when they travel and they see the Avengers again. Yeah. And you see past characters, like um, the guy from Winter Soldier, uh, the Nick Fury's friend. What's his name? The... Um, Oh yeah, Robert Redford. Yeah, him. right. Yeah, total surprise there. Um, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. The, uh, the ancient one. The ancient one. Yeah. Like you see all these claps from all these. So, I mean, I don't. There's just so much to say about a game that I wish that Star Wars had done, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, it, I guess stri- lightning can't strike twice. <laughs> <laughs> this it is interesting that we just saw the new Star Wars uh, because I feel like that movie, The Rise of Skywalker, was trying to do what Endgame did, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And Endgame was just a lot more successful in in doing it, right? You know, in a lot of ways, um, the drawbacks of Endgame were the drawbacks of of uh, Rise of Skywalker, you know, like I kind of felt and still feel to a degree that Endgame was maybe too much fan service. You it know? was all fan service. It was all fan service. Like, it really I was. Could, yeah. Like I was explaining this to someone like if you did not grow up watching the MCU and you just straight up watch like Endgame on its own, you would not understand what was going on. You would yeah. not appreciate it mm-hmm. as much as someone who's at least watched another MCU movie. Yeah. Like if you just straight up watch, if you have not seen a Marvel movie and you watch Endgame for the first time, there's no way you could like say that was a good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was, it was all fan service, you know? Uh-huh. And um, on one hand, it's like, well, as an individual movie, like you were saying, it, kind of doesn't work at all Mm-mm. right and yet it works right <laughs> why because i guess if you're gonna do fan service do it the right way and they did it the right way you know so look um like the stuff we didn't like about episode nine was like fan service stuff that was not connected to uh the current trilogy, you know, seven through nine, and like all that Emperor Palpatine stuff, 
Okay, that's definitely fan service, right? We're, we're bringing back this uh, iconic villain. But there is no connective tissue with that character to episodes seven and eight. So mm-hmm. it felt like really forced, right? Whereas all this fan service stuff in Endgame, you know, when they go back to the the past timelines, you know, um, that's all fan service, right? They revisit their past movies, but it's all part of the main plot. They're trying to retrieve the Infinity Stones and trying to bring their friends back and trying to, you know, overcome the losses of from Thanos, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all part of like the main narrative, right? So we're invested, you know? Like, okay, when when we see like current day Captain America fight the 2012 Captain America, it works really well on that fan service level, but at the same time it's moving the story forward. He's he's trying to maintain the Mind Stone, right? He's got Loki's scepter. It's got the Mind Stone in it, and he's trying to to keep it, right? So, it, it, it's not just like uh, extraneous stuff, right? It's all interwoven in in the main story, right? So, where I would say Episode Nine is is uh, how, how did I say it? Like not really gracefully done. Like J.J. Abrams didn't. Um, integrate the last Jedi into his story. Um, the Russo brothers really did pretty amazing things with Endgame, where they incorporated everything, and it was gracefully done. Right? They 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 did it well. You know, kind of like what I was saying before. Like, if you're gonna do fan service, do it right. <laughs> it's gonna make sense in the story. Okay, there are some things in that movie that maybe was a little heavy-handed, like that there's that one scene where all the female superheroes were like oh yeah really conveniently at, at the same place you know? know yeah when someone first pointed out to me that that's the first time i can i every time i watch that scene i cannot help but think like that th- this is right how did how did they all come up it, it's a little too coincidental right yeah. so you know maybe they missed the mark a little bit here and there but just the overall experience was so satisfying you know i think when i first saw it i was maybe looking at it too logically you know i was like man if this was a standalone movie it wouldn't make any sense it's too long and they're just patting themselves on the back they're revisiting their old movies blah 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 but after i've watched it a few times uh it's just uh it's a pretty special movie you know it's definitely special and and it really rewards the fans. And um, I think uh, that's pretty cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with fan service. I think the term fan service, I think, kind of has a negative connotation now. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If it's, if it's making people happy, that's a good thing. Yeah. Right? I was happy, you know, when, when uh, you get stuff like... Uh, I don't know. There's there there's so many moments in the movie that I, like that I, I lost lost count. But um, there's so many moments that can be considered, you know, fan service. Um, but uh, hey, put a smile on my face. Definitely. Nothing wrong with that, <laughs> right? <laughs> movie of the year, Avengers Endgame. Come For on. For sure. And uh, 
the box office don't lie it's the number one box office movie of all time and it's you know it's a legit phenomenon and um i think it'd be irresponsible to recognize the greatness of this movie yes <laughs> we uh attended you and i attended the we love you 3000 tour yeah right yeah the russos uh were in the bay area at a giants game and we were part of the the tour and uh we, we were we were doing the victory lap right alongside uh the russos <laughs> and uh yes we are marvel super fans we're sipping the kool-aid um but uh come on avengers endgame you know gotta recognize the greatness for real yeah any last thoughts on movies uh in 2019 Mm, it it was a good year. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, those were my top hits mm-hmm. for the year. I do have a couple of non-comic booky type movies I really enjoyed. Um, Quentin Tarantino had a new movie come out this year. I did not watch that one. Oh, you haven't? Okay, yeah, but, but yeah, and, uh-huh. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, great movie. Um, the topic of superhero movies and cinema came up this year in a big way and um i think a lot of the discussion and a lot of and a lot of the arguments are kind of ridiculous um but uh if you are one to uh separate the two maybe you think that superhero movies are not cinema then maybe you want to check out this movie because uh, the classic perspective on what is cinema is this movie. Like, this is that kind of movie. This is cinema. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, this is like Uh classic cinema filmmaking. Uh Like, what what Martin Scorsese was referring to as cinema, Uh right? Like, if superhero movies aren't cinema then what is well this is Mm -hmm. right um and uh it's really great don't want to get into a lot of detail on this one but uh um i'm I'm a long time tarantino fan and i think a lot of people have uh, feel like he's kind of lost his touch a bit and they really prefer his uh his older movies like Mm -hmm. pulp fiction and reservoir dogs but to me i think he's still got it this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a pretty small movie came out also that I really liked. It's called The Farewell. Uh, it stars Aquafina, and uh, I thought it was really great. I think I've heard this one. I yeah, heard that it's one really great. great. She's really great in it, and uh, it's a really great take on um, the differences between Asian culture and Asian American culture. Mm-hmm. And something that like I'm thinking about a, a lot, and uh, that was a really great movie for sure. Um, so yeah, some movies that are very different from Endgame, but I kind of wanted to call them out because they are so different. You know, um, a lot of times you don't always want to see uh, loud explosions and superheroes and laser beams and and uh, mass destruction. Um, yeah, 
I, I definitely would would recommend the farewell and once upon a time in China uh, in America. No, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just listed a whole bunch of other movies. Uh, but yeah, any uh, any last thoughts on movies in 2019? Terminator. That was a good movie. Even though it flopped in the box office, I really liked it. Really? Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. And yeah, I did hear that it was a box office bust. But uh, you're recommending it, Perfurio? I yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you have it. Now, uh, we're going pretty long, but this is our year in review, so it's, I think it's okay we go a little longer. But like we were saying earlier, this is also the end of the decade, end of the right? Decade. So what are we calling this decade? The 10s? Is that is that what we're calling it? I think so. so people are, <laughs> the I tens. Have, I have no idea. So I think I think we can call it the tens. So, what do you think about the decade? I mean, we could go like all day, all night on this, but um, are there particular movies? Yeah, maybe we can focus on movies a bit. Maybe movies, maybe TV. I don't know. Anything in particular you wanted to call out for? The decade? The decade? I mean, yeah, I was having this talk with Christian the other day. Like, I feel like the number one influence of, like, the decade for the movies is Marvel's Avengers 2012. Like, after that, like, things changed. Like, DC tried copying it, Warner Brothers... Um, I think they're still trying to copy it. You know, like Harry Potter ended this decade, and now they're trying to continue the Wizarding World universe with um, what's the other movie? Fantastic Beast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which you're not a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, so I think, like, yeah, Avengers, like, did something that I, that's never been happened before, like, you see trilogies of like sequels to movies, but you never see like movies that can stand alone that exist within the universe. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, everyone talks about the MCU, but yeah, I think you're right. Avengers in particular really changed the game. Yeah. Because it brought this whole shared this whole shared universe thing to us, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it changed the industry. You know, look at the the Fast and Furious movies, like they were really affected by Avengers. Like, all their movies are, are these shared universe-type movies now also, right? And um, and superhero movies. Superhero movies all kind of benefited from Avengers, right? Yeah. Like, you know, look at the success of the Joker movie, right? That movie has made tons of box office, right? It's a very, very different kind of movie. Uh, but the audience wouldn't have been there if it weren't for the phenomenon that is superhero movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got him. It got him and got him through the door, right? It's like, oh, it's a Joker movie, right? And when you saw it, it was like, whoa, what is this? This is something completely different. But the the crowd wouldn't have been there in the first place if it wasn't a superhero movie, right? Now it's cool to be a nerd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wants to be yeah exactly. Uh-huh. So that's a good call. The Avengers that came out 
this decade, it was super influential. And, you know, we could do like, like a whole thing on, on Marvel Studios, right? But yeah, I think I, I like how you specifically called out Avengers because the, the whole shared universe aspect is very, very noteworthy. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, there were there were just so many good franchises this past decade. Harry Potter Harry Potter ended yet, right? This decade? Yeah, that's right. Harry, yeah. Harry Potter, The Hobbit, continuing off um the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um Hunger Games. Um, there's just a lot of good show, movies this past decade that existed within this pop culture element. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was uh, looking at the decade, and yeah, this decade for movies has been really great. And uh, some of my all-time favorite movies did come out this decade and I've talked about it before, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world is absolutely one of my top movies came out in 2010. So it did come out this decade mm-hmm. and um, talked about this a lot. Captain America, the winter soldier also came out this decade. Yeah. On another one of my tops. Um, so yeah, a great, a great uh, decade for movies, um, TV as well. You know, I think there there are a few shows I, I wanted to call out. And um, oh, this is a long time coming, but I wanted to talk about The Walking Dead a little bit because um, we we kept talking about having like this episode where we just kind of like lay it all out never really happened right probably never will happen (laughs) at this point but you know here's the time i think because we're at the end of the decade and um i was looking back and just thinking about the top tv shows for me of the decade and absolutely i think the walking dead is uh is on that list now i haven't watched the walking dead in quite some time you and me both yeah uh, I I uh, abandoned ship, but there was a stretch there. We're talking ep- uh, seasons one through six, I would say. It was the best show on TV, and I was pretty obsessed with it. I loved it, and... Um, and I, I, you know, I just want to give props. I think it's a phenomenal television show, and uh, it's uh, it is a staple of this decade, you know, for sure. Um, I'm not alone. We're not alone in that. Like a lot of fans have dropped off, and it's, it's not the phenomenon it, it once was. But uh, uh, yeah, I definitely want to recognize the greatness of of the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, in particular, I wanted I wanted to call out uh, seasons four and five. Those are my favorite. I th- I think that's when the show really hit its stride. Um, when they got into um, the, the 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 final battle with the governor, the terminus stuff, um, 
really awesome, 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 awesome television. Um, it was, it was real. Like it felt like this is really what it would be like if this shit went down, if zombies walked the earth, this is how it would happen. You know, how, um, different people would react in different ways. Some would be become savages. Some would maintain their humanity. Some would kind of be in the middle there. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it was, it's, it's an achievement, you know, for sure. And I know you were a big fan too. Yeah. Um, would you regard the walking dead as one of the shows of the decade? Oh yeah, for sure. I would, I remember, yeah, there was a time where I would have, especially I think, I, I think I lasted onto walking dead a bit longer than you. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time where I would have like defended it to like <laughs> be like, it still has its magic. It still has its moments. And then, then it totally lost me. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. There was a time where I would defend it and say, I was like one of the best shows on TV right now. Right. Similarly, I would say game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I know sure. for for a while it really was Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Those were like the top yeah. two television series, and it was almost like, oh, are you a Game of Thrones person or are you a Walking Dead person? Yeah. And like that was it, right? There was like pick size or something. Um, but it's you know, coming, come on, Game of Thrones was for a long time that water cooler show right everyone was talking about it like monday after the sunday night airing you know people would be talking about the red wedding or they'd be talking about the battle of the bastards yeah. or, you know you name it right be, everyone remembers these moments right game of thrones you, you got to give it up like game of thrones was never like my favorite show like walking dead was for quite some time like that was like that was my show right GOT was never quite it for me, but like I, I you know, kind of like I was doing with Walking Dead. Like I gotta give props, you know that it was a phenomenon, and um, yeah, I think the way it ended rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Sounds like it did for you, <laughs> for for you. Uh, but um, you know, there was a reason why a lot of people were mad because they were expecting so much, right? The show was so great for yeah. a long time that uh, they were expecting a lot more out of it. Um, yeah, for sure. I would say, I think I could maybe say this 100%. My probably favorite show of the decade was um, Netflix. Uh, Daredevil, probably, I think. Good call. I was going to talk about Marvel Netflix, too, you know? That show was... That show had no error. Like, I could not say one bad thing about it. Season one was... I was hooked on it. it I finished the whole season one day. Season two was phenomenal. Electra Punisher were involved. And then season three just knocked out of the park. And... Mm -hmm. It was just not one bad thing I can say about Daredevil. I know you've had your critiques about it, I feel like, in the past, but... Um, yeah, like, for for me, season one uh, didn't quite hit the mark for me. Uh, 
but season two and three were great. I really loved them. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was more about the Marvel Netflix shows as a whole that I wanted to call out. Um, yeah, these were very special to me. There was a time that Marvel Netflix was as important to me as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I yeah. held them in equal esteem, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the Marvel Netflix shows were what the movies weren't. Like, they were R-rated. They were super hard-hitting. They were street-level. They were super dark. Dark. They were re- really relatable, though. Very relatable. That's uh-huh. exactly what I was going to say. You know, it's hard to relate to a God of Thunder or like Captain Marvel, who has like incredible powers, right? But you, you can relate you, to the Punisher. You know, he's just a regular dude, right? And um, these heroes fit that mold. You could totally relate to them. Mm-hmm. And the format that they were in is noteworthy too, right? They were on Netflix, and you know how Netflix does their thing. They drop their shit all at once, right? So it was interesting because, you know, I talked about how Game of Thrones would be like the water cooler show, the Monday lunchtime uh, chatter show. Well, Marvel Netflix was never really like that because everyone watched them like at different times, Yeah. right? So, I, in a way, it was kind of a drawback because, like, it was kind of hard to, like, talk to people about the shows because, like, oh, wait, I haven't seen that yet, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, how far along are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I wanted to call this out because with Marvel Netflix, not just Daredevil, like, a lot of these shows, I binged the fuck out of these shows, <laughs> man. Like, a lot of these shows, I would finish them the weekend of release. We're talking like 13 one-hour episodes. Yeah. I would be done because I'd be so into them, you know? Multiple of these shows like Daredevil, Iron Fist, Defenders, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Punisher. Like, I would burn through this stuff, man. And um, I, I can't really say that about anything you know I, I you know granted netflix is is unique with that sort of release schedule um but uh it's you know looking back uh it's a pretty unique time in my life where like when these shows dropped i would just be like okay i'm just dropping everything you know like <laughs> hold my calls yeah. <laughs> cancel my appointments i'm watching marvel all weekend you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that type shit uh so definitely noteworthy in that regard um just real quick back to walking dead i kind of did that with walking dead initially because i got into walking dead uh season four I think that's when I got into Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. So what I did during season four, I think it was like the mid-season hiatus. I binged seasons one through three. It was like a, it was like a New Year's marathon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did experience this crazy binging for the first three seasons of Walking Dead, and that was pretty awesome like i I will never forget when i just like 
couldn't stop watching it like three seasons in a row (laughs) yeah that was pretty wild and yeah it it was kind of similar to the way i watched marvel netflix so um definitely want to call that out and you know um these shows weren't perfect i think notably the Defenders series was a bit of a disappointment because that should have been like the TV version of Avengers. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't like it kind of fell short with that. Um, But uh, yeah, I definitely want to give props to Marvel Netflix. It's really sad that all that's gone now. You know, we have uh, cool stuff on Disney plus to look forward to, but I don't think Actually, I know none of this new stuff is going to be like the Marvel Netflix stuff no. because it's not going to be rated R. Yeah. You know, we know this. Or maybe Moon Knight. Who knows? Uh, now, That's I've heard that um, Disney Plus simply will not put out rated R content. So oh. Moon Knight, you know, might be a little edgier. You know, Mandalorian was 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 uh, more violent than your average Disney show, but it wasn't the Punisher, you know, (laughs) right? So, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. Like, that's kind of a a bygone era, right? Yeah. Um, So even more reason to call out the greatness of Marvel Netflix. (laughs) All right, so that is about it, yeah? Any last thoughts about the decade or the year or anything? Um, no, it was a good decade. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, um, yeah, that's worth mentioning. <laughs> you know, Stan Lee did pass away. And, um, we lost a lot of great people. Definitely lost a lot of great people. And we don't want to go down like a huge list right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It was uh, a lot of good times in pop culture in 2019, and yes, this whole decade, right? What a time to be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we don't even need, even need to get into like what lies ahead. I think maybe we can kind of talk about that in our next episode. We've gone yeah. quite long here. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's great to look back on what has come and gone. But it's also really exciting to look at what's uh, coming up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like you said, it's a, it's a great time for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, celebrate uh, what we've experienced and, uh, and uh, get stoked for what's coming up ahead. Yeah. So, with that, we can say Happy New Year. And this is... Farewell from Porfirio and Henry.